This episode of the University of Pleasure is brought to you by Choke Coffee. That's right, University of Pleasure fans. This is our first official sponsor, and we are thrilled to be partnering with Choke Coffee. Now, you're asking yourselves, Choke, this is a sex podcast. What are we talking about here? Well, it's not the kind of choke that you would think we would be talking about in the University of Pleasure. It actually has to do with jujitsu. And I am sure they actually make those sounds. This is fuel for grappling, folks. And I happen to be an expert on jujitsu. Why, you ask? Because I took three years of Olympic karate in the elementary school days. And of course, I watched the UFC. So I am one step from a ninja. Nobody challenge me, especially after I have a cup of hot choke coffee. So check out chokecoffeeco.com. Again, that website is chokecoffeeco.com for all things jujitsu choke coffee. Clinical disclaimer. This podcast is focused on education and entertainment. While we love to help and teach, it is not meant to be used as a replacement for clinical services. If you are experiencing significant relationship issues or major concerns in your sexual, physical, or mental health, please seek the services of a professional provider near you. Welcome to the University of Pleasure. Where we have sexual conversation to help build a happier nation. I'm Dr. Tara Jansen, licensed psychologist and certified sex therapist. And I'm Jeremiah James, and I'm just a guy who likes talking about sex. And we're here, we're back, we're ready for part two. I had a great time picking up my friend Jason from the bus, yes, because she called me out, Doc, called me out, and we <laughs> left it in. I was like, you are brutal. You are being uh, savage today. I... I, what, I thought it was your, you had a pickleball tournament. A pickleball, how dare you? That, I don't play pickleball. I mean, nothing no wrong with playing pickleball. pickleball. No, no cheat on pickleball. I'm pickleball not. taking the nation over. It is. And we are back, folks. We're going to do part two of the heartbreak headache. That's right. Back for part two, because part one, yes, 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 I had to get moving and go do something. The doc was being savage and totally called me out. Even though I could have erased it, it was hilarious and I kept it in because I, <laughs> it was just, it was brutal. It was brutal. But I did pick up my buddy, Jason. We did go and have a great guys weekend and it was great. So we're back we're going to do part two right now, the heartbreak, headache. But before that, announcements about announcements. Um, you know, Doc, you're settling in to New York City with your practice. How is it going? How are you feeling? It's going good. Also, separately, uh, I'm in New York City. So if anyone's in the area and is looking for a sex therapist, let me know. There you go. Mm -hmm. Reach out you to can the find Doc. Me, you can find me on my website, tarajansen.com. That's right. Or you can reach out at theuniversityofpleasure.com and then leapfrog all the way back to Tara because she is there. The doc is available. Take the time. If you need to talk to somebody, she's one of the best. And I don't just say that because I work with her. I know it to be true. Check out all her Yelp reviews online. 
Anyway. <laughs> no, Yelp reviews. <laughs> Please don't leave me one. Um, I'm going to leave. Okay. There's going to be one singular Yelp review from me. The doc is the greatest of the greatest. Five stars. Definitely yeah. would do it again. And then immediately people are like, this person seems like a fake professional. <laughs> so, no, thank you. I guess, okay, so Yelp reviews aren't a thing for docs. All right, that's cool. But if you are in the New York City area and you're looking for a therapist, do not miss a chance. If uh, Reach out to the doc. She is literally one of the best. As if you are listening to the podcast, you already know that. So, all right. Don't forget to check out the Amy book written by Autumn Karen and myself. And of course, of course... Read by my ex-wife, Kelly Dorney. Did an excellent job. Did it online during the pandemic. She was in L.A. I was in New York, and we got it done, and she crushed it. So check that out. And, of course, don't forget to leave us a message if you'd like us to talk about a great sex story. Sex story. Use your words, Jeremiah. And or if a could-have-been-better sex story that you want the doc and I to break down, I know you certainly are going to want my take on things, as all of our millions of fans always want to hear from the Jeremiah James, soon-to-be self-help guru extraordinaire. Um, yeah, leave us a message, you know, and check out all of our social medias and like, share, and subscribe, and all that fun stuff. So, Doc, it's summertime. Normally in summertime, we want to keep talking about happy-go-lucky things, but that's not what the podcast is about, I know. We're here about education, and we need to educate people. So we're going to go on for the second half here of the heartbreak headache. So those of you who don't remember... Do you, oh, do you have the second part of the title? Well, yeah, I, I, I just picked... Did you see what I'm doing? Okay, can, go I, for it. I'm so sorry. Can I just finish what I was... Please, I'm a professional. Please continue. <laughs> please keep okay. Please continue. Jesus. Ay, ay, ay. So, for those of you who don't remember, our last part one episode that I had to quickly get off to go pick up my friend from the bus, we were doing The Heartbreak Headache, Surviving the Mindfuck of Lost Love, which I was not jazzed about when we started the episode, to be perfectly frank. I was kind of like, mm, this is going to be a Debbie Downer. And I didn't want to bring my day down. and But actually, I have to say, I was wrong. And that's not, you know, I'm a humble enough man to be able to say when I am not right. And on this situation, I was not right. This was a great first part of an episode. I actually was learning a lot. And there were a lot of really great nuggets that the doc was giving and it wasn't as sad as I thought it was going to be. Like, I didn't leave feeling like I was, like, going to get my buddy and, like, all down in the doldrums. Like, I was actually like, oh, we should, I wish we had more time. To, I could finish this episode because it was so great. So let's jump back in, Doc, and, uh, you know, throw some knowledge nuggets at people here. And uh, why don't we pick up where we left off? I'm ready. Yeah, I'm here. I mean, I'm trying, I'm trying to remember where we left off. Okay, I wait, believe. hang on a second, hang yeah. on a second. You just gave me a hard time. <laughs> you were like, no, do you have the second part of the episode name? And you don't even remember where we left off giving me a hard well, time? I mean, I generally, I'm just trying to remember, like I, you know, I speak in like long soliloquies. Yes, <laughs> we know, we are aware, yes. Broad strokes, so, you know, like to know exactly where I left off is a, is a bit of a trick. Um, 
but in general, I believe like, well, just to kind of summarize just for people that maybe haven't yet listened to the first episode, who knows? Sometimes people don't like, we were really talking about like different ways in which different kind of common experiences people have during heartbreak. Right. And we, yes. we talked about some of the, some of the old hits, some of the classics, right? Like, you know, uh, obsessing, spinning, you learned a new word, perseveration, perseveration, perseveration. Right? which is spinning over and over again on the yeah. kind of the same distress, usually distressing situation or thought or yep. sort of uh, thing. We talked a lot about like um, this idea that like sometimes when we are broken up with, it can kind of pendulum swing from one end to another, right? Like, or are we've, by the way, this wasn't just about like lost love of someone we've been in a relationship with. It could also be like the affections of someone that you were in love with, but didn't love you about, like you never were together, That's right? right? Like unrequited right. mm -hmm. sort of love. So either or, right? But like sometimes it can pendulum swing between like over-personalization and devaluation, right? Like meaning somebody really personalizes that, right? It's really kind of finding themselves like questioning their whole self-worth based sure. on this person's desire or acceptance yeah. for them. Yeah. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we've we talked about how sometimes uh, maybe as a part of that, or even in coping with that, people can swing all the way to the other way to be like, and what's, what's wrong with this person? Yeah. Right? Like, yep. mm -hmm. They're the worst They're If they don't love me back, they must have some horrible problem. Right. And I think that's sort of where we ended was kind of like talking about these black vacillating between these black and white stances. And I love when you use the word vacillating. I don't know vacillating. why. The way you say it, it's Good like, word. yeah, vacillating. Yeah. Well, we often do when we're distressed, vacillate back and forth between extremes, right? Mm -hmm. And I think where we had sort of started talking and left off is this idea that kind of culturally we don't help with that because like, especially during breakups, we often kind of ask the question of like, whose fault is it? And I think one of the things that I had said was like, why does it have to be anyone's fault? Yeah. And that <laughs> was the thing that really struck me about the last conversation because, you know, I... I I remember my sister got into a car accident when I was younger, and it was her first accident when she had just gotten her driver's license, you know? And uh, I remember my dad saying, like, a little wisdom, you know, from, from, from Papa, you know? He was like, she was so upset, she was so upset about the car, she was so upset how it happened, and, you know, all this other stuff. And he was, he just said, look, it's an accident. It's an accident for a reason. It's not necessarily about one person did something wrong or the other person. It was just an accident. Sometimes things just happen, right? And I kind of thought about that when we were talking about this because it was kind of that way, like with relationships. Sometimes it's nobody's fault. Sometimes it's it's not about who's right and who's wrong. It's just just happens that something kind of came to a close. You outgrew each other. It doesn't mean that, you know, someone's a villain and somebody's the good guy, <laughs> you know? And, and I, I really liked that you said that because... I really have always kind of seen it that way. You know, my ex-wife and I, she's a really wonderful woman. She's not my person. That's my current wife. You know, we're, you know, after 20 years of friendship, here we are, you know, all this stuff. And, but, you know, I've got, you know, this other woman that, you know, we were together a long time. We learned a lot of things, but there was nobody's fault that we didn't stay together. It wasn't a, um, you know, she was a bad person or she wasn't good at this or I was a bad guy and I wasn't good at that. Literally, it was just one of those things where it was like, we love each other very much, but we were better friends than partners, better friends than we were married couple. 
And I'm very lucky and grateful in my life that she's still a part of my life and I could tell her I love her and all that stuff and we're all friends, her and my, my current wife, you know, because uh, it's nobody's fault. Sometimes, you know, it's just, it is what it is. Am I going off topic here? Am I going too no, far? No, Am I, I think it's too right. Away? No, it's right. It's right on topic, right? Like I do think that, you know, and I said this last time, like with the caveat of like, I'm not talking about in like scenarios where there's been abuse or like, no, no, you know, like Very some kind thing. of more, Very different thing. more specific sets of circumstances. I'm talking more about like, we do have a cultural narrative that like we the way that we ask questions, even after people end relationships, like it's sort of like somebody needs to be at fault. And it's a very black and white way of thinking about relationships. You know, and you know I like black and white most of the time. <laughs> you know that. I you do. do. That. I mean, I'm a big fan. I'm just saying uh, that, you know, this was a really big thing. It was like, actually, it's mostly gray. You know, it's mostly like a gray area life, you know. And, uh, and this is one of those things where, you know, hey, it just kind of came to an end. And that's just, and that's okay. It's okay. And I think that it, it can be really um, hard to cope, right, if we're coming at it from a black and white angle, right? Mm -hmm. Because in either direction, like, it it sucks to be like, well, what is the fault in me? And then in another way, it really doesn't feel super healthy to be like, or let me, like, feel forced to, like, start to pick apart the faults of another person that I used to deeply care about yes. and really yes. love and enjoy. Like, that's not, like, what I would call a good juju. No, <laughs> like, it's just not, totally. It's not good energy. It doesn't, it doesn't feel good to be like, I loved this person really desperately, and now I feel like I have to figure out why they're the worst person in the world, right? Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes I started talking about this at the end of the last one, which is like, sometimes when we seek support in a heartbreak, it, an easy, and I'm not maligning anyone, I, you know, sometimes we just don't know what to say. So a really common default type of supports from friends and loved ones is like, they're a piece of shit, just move on, you know, and like, it sort of amplifies that, like, well, they never did this, or they sucked, you know, and it's a way of trying to help people feel better. But in reality, it's sometimes not the best form of support, right. because right. it's not feeding, maybe necessarily some of the thinking that are gonna, that's gonna help people heal. Mm -hmm. Like, whenever we put things, not whenever, but often when we create those kinds of dichotomies, like I'm, whether it's they're the victim, and I'm the villain, or I'm the villain, and they're the victim, or whatever it might be, like, it it often, and again, I'm not talking about in extreme scenarios. I'm talking about in lore of like day to day, I loved you. Well, I decided I needed to end things with you because I wasn't feeling as connected with you as I wanted to, or like more benign sure, sure, reasons sure, sure, that people yeah, end their relationships you. all the time. Mm -hmm. Like if, if we put things in those types of dichotomies, right? Like it, it, emotionally then swings us right which feels bad it swings us then into these more extreme positions because we were talking last time i was like you know one of the common responses that people can have and like heartbreak is like you know emotional dysregulation right where they'll be i think i the example i gave is like you know like singing in your underwear like i will survive and then you're just like breaking you're like oh, everything's great and then all of a sudden you're in your car, like eating, I don't know, a meatball sub sobbing, yeah. right? Just something <laughs> like really big swings, right? And yeah. so like part of like moving through it is also about like how can one kind of like really try to take like holistic views of the situation. Like it really isn't helpful often for us to start swinging into big extremes about things. Like it is it common? Yes. Do we all do it? 
Yes. Have I done it? Of course. Yep. <laughs> right? I'm, not yep. Saying, yep. I'm not saying it's We're not all normal. human here. Yep. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's not normal, but like, I think um, really feeding that. And this is also just like, as if you're listening and you're thinking about like a friend or a loved one that's recently ended a relationship with someone they really cared about. Mm -hmm. Right. And mm -hmm. if you know that your impulse is to be like, well, I'm mad at them because they hurt my friend. So because I'm mad at them because they hurt my friend, I'm going to be like, what a, what a, what an asshole. <laughs> right? Like, you know, like be thoughtful about that kind of feedback. Right. Because it might not actually be helping. Right. It's right. different to right. give support. That's like, I'm so sorry that this hurts so much. Mm -hmm. Right. I know that this really hurts or like, I think that sometimes that can actually be, it feels a lot more vulnerable and kind of squeaky. It's easier to go to anger. Oh, uh, socially, yes. socially, we're more comfortable with anger. Yeah, it well, because little... it's, it, you know, anger to me, it's like, it, it it's like McDonald's, you know, it's easy. <laughs> you, there's, it's just easily accessible. It's it, easy till it's not. That's, it, uh... You know what I mean? <laughs> so it, it is, it is like McDonald's. It's it, quick and it's easy. It's, and then later in the day, it's not. <laughs> it's exactly correct. And then afterwards you're like, oh man, why did I do that? Why did I have four of those cheeseburgers, <laughs> you know? So, you know, I just, I, I totally get where you're coming from. Cause it's just like an easy answer. I hate you. Instead of, it's actually more nuanced than that, you know, and it's, you know, you just, you go to that easy thing and then afterwards you feel bad about it. You know what I mean? Not that there's you anything wrong with McDonald's. I love McDonald's. I'm just using that as an example. Um, I think one of the things as you were talking, Jeremiah, around like just uh, earlier about like when we end relation, when we have to end relationships because just things aren't working out, right? Like not necessarily there, there isn't a fault. Like one of the things that I always think is really fascinating, like as a therapist, like I get to have these really privileged private conversations with people, right? And sure. like, yeah. I get to learn a lot. And one of the things that has struck me so many times, is like a lot of times in therapy, people are sitting with me trying to figure out how to keep loving someone. Yeah. Right. Like they're yeah. actually sitting there in front of me, putting in work around, like, I really don't want to hurt this person. I'm having a hard time staying as invested in this as I want to, but I don't want to hurt them. And like their main stressor is not wanting to hurt someone. Sure. And like really working to try to find ways to like maintain a connection or maintain an attachment to somebody. And so what's interesting well, that, is, that, is that like, was me. I mean, I'll tell you right now, that was me. Yeah. You know, I, my biggest stress was not wanting to hurt my ex-wife you know i just didn't want to hurt her and i i i you know kept trying to tie myself into knots to figure out you know how to make it work i, I kept feeling like i was like over and over trying to stick a square peg in a round hole and like i mean i know i i loved her but you know as far as like being in love and being a couple and all the things that we talk about here you know i really struggled with that and it was like how do i stay in love how do i stay here how do i i don't want to hurt this person i, I mean i never want to hurt anybody it's just not my nature so you know i'm, I'm with you like it, it i can imagine you get that all the time yeah i mean and that's why i think sometimes flipping over to the, the that like sort of standpoint of like who's the monster, right? If somebody breaks up with somebody or like somebody ends a relationship, they must have not cared at all. Like you yeah. never cared about me. That's a statement you'll hear people say. And like the irony of that is like, maybe sometimes there's some people who maybe truly never gave a shit about you. That's real. But a lot of times those people probably really did. Yeah. And just many complex accumulation of things happened over time that it just 
probably wasn't that it became easy to stop caring about someone else, right? But what happens is to maintain the type of attachment they were looking for, the type of love or relational or sexual attachment that they were seeking. Absolutely. Right? Which is very different and it's very nuanced. And I know that it makes our brain hurt. So it makes our brain hurt a little bit, which is which why is, we like to jump. <laughs> to just to jump to the, I hate you. Cause it's easier. It's just easier. Cause yeah, it, I, mean, I mean, the things are so nuanced. It's like when you loved somebody for so long and you were in a relationship for a long time, you know, and, uh, you see, you look back and you're like, you know, I always would say to people who were like friends of mine who were going through a divorce or something, you know, try not to go to this ugly place. You know, you, you came together for a reason. Try to think back to those things as you are trying to walk away from each other. I don't know if that's good or bad advice, but you know, it's just, it's because it is so much more nuanced than just going, I, you're the worst. You're just horrible. Look, some bad things happen. People can be really rotten to each other. And of course that happens, but you know. In the situation we're kind of talking about here, you know, you look back to the situations of like, you came together, you really cared for each other, you know, am, am, am I making sense here, Doc? You are, you are. I, actually, as you're talking, I'm thinking about like work that I've done with people around like kind of conscious uncoupling, right? Where you're like doing uncoupling work in therapy versus like sometimes couples therapy is about staying together. And sometimes it's actually about like, how do we uncouple in a way that like, feels really respectful to both of us and we can maintain our senses of self yes, and not feel especially, like yes. monsters and doing it. Especially yeah. like, you know, a lot of times people have children and you want to oh, maintain yeah. a good relationship for them. And that's such a, you know, that's a really great thing because I've never even really heard of that. I'm going to be honest with you. That's the first time for me, an uncoupling session. The only time I ever yeah, hear about that I mean, is done... like sitting with lawyers. <laughs> and that doesn't seem, <laughs> yeah. doesn't seem to have, it doesn't seem to be the same type yeah. of thing. And again, there are, there are, I'm not saying that that's accessible to all people. There are some scenarios that have become very toxic or there's really problematic dynamics happening and that wouldn't be a good fit for those kind of scenarios, right? Right. But like what's interesting is like sometimes when we like, <laughs> I don't even know how many times I've had a conversation with somebody where they're like really struggling in their current relationship, not because they don't care about the person, not because they don't care about what happens to them and they don't have love for them, but they've kind of maybe lost their sort of romantic attachment to them or their like sensual sexual romantic attachment to them right mm -hmm. they might be feeling something that feels more akin to like friend or familial love mm -hmm. you know but not and because of this sort of like it's so interesting how we internalize things people like are like have said out loud to me countless times i feel like i'm trying to find reasons to hate them so i can end it yes right yes like, i've heard that and that is often when I say like this narrative that we have, that it always has to be someone's fault or someone has to be like, we have to have this like really like your terrible reason. <laughs> like, like I, I have had people say like, I'm pushing this person so they'll break up with me, right? Like nobody wants to be the one to like break a heart. And, and part of this does have to do with this idea of like, we really struggle culturally generally in the gray and thinking in the gray. But when it comes to relationships, it seems to be very hard for us to like say like, and just be sort of truthful and the like, it's enough at times to end a relationship or exit a relationship because you just genuinely don't, you're not getting what you're looking for from right. like a romantic right. sexual attachment perspective. Right. And that it, people often feel like they have to have like this very concrete good reason and often it's i discovered something 
horrible and evil. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that's the only sort of permissible reason to end a relationship. And then that creates a separate struggle, right? Because what it means is then people find themselves being like, I'm like actively looking for reasons to hate you or to despise you so I can exit. Which when you say it out loud, sucks. (laughs) 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 Because then you have someone... Then you have someone that genuinely cares about someone else trying to find reasons to despise them so they can feel not like a horrible person because maybe they don't want this anymore right. or they don't right. want what and this listen, And it's is. always easier going back to the <clears throat> anger issue, right? It, like we were talking about McDonald's. It's always easier just to have that happen and be mad about <clears throat> something that somebody did to you than actually be the bearer of the the pain and angst of hurting someone or the cause of the angst would you agree like i mean to me it's like you know you kind of go like well if i just want that person you know if they do something horrible to me it's easier to kind of be like i hate you you know and and you know yeah i mean i do think it it is i think (laughs) i think it sucks no matter what end you're on oh of course it's just just like it's just like what brand of suck? Yeah, yeah. Like to me, yeah, I totally agree with that. What brand of suck? Because most people, you know, it, it, listen. Being the one who hurts someone is a really hard thing. It's a hard thing, you know. And uh, you know, if you think about it, I mean, I'm thinking about it here from like a like a, a Spock logical Star Trek standpoint. If somebody just did something awful to me and I'm just hurt and mad, I can just go right there, and it's cut and dry, and it's clear, and it's straightforward. You're bad. I'm good. You did this to me. I hate you. The end. I can put it in that box over here and I don't have to think about any nuance because it was bad. You know what I mean? You're right. Except what I would argue is you can keep it in that box until the heat of that anger dissipates and then it turns back to gray and you feel real messed up about it. Right. Well, then this is why and we're that's... having this conversation. This is why we're talking <laughs> and here. Yeah. And that's the illusion, right? Often the illusion is like, if I convince myself that I just like, and it doesn't matter if you're the one breaking up or being broken up with, right? Like you're a monster and you're a terrible person, but there's a real part of you that like genuinely loved and cared about this person. You can work yourself up into all sorts of anger, but no feeling lasts forever. Right. So that anger is going to eventually dissipate and you're still going to be left with that other part of your mind, your heart, your emotional self that goes, but I actually am thinking of that time you went on vacation and I felt so safe and close to you and you really made me feel heard. (laughs) Like you're going to, right? You're, there is no escape hatch for hurt. I don't know. I I would argue I'm still holding grudges from like sixth grade breakups. And I still think she was wrong. So, I mean, I and I still stand strong and stick the landing of she shouldn't have cheated on me with that guy. And I'm still mad about it. it was well, I'm not saying that some people might not hold on to a point of anger. What I'm saying is if it is your primary coping approach for a relationship like a heartbreak right you said that. that with a look in your eye like that was my coping approach for the sixth grade thing you don't know how <laughs> wrong said, she uh, you don't know how bad she wronged me okay i'm not saying she did it i was I'm not saying she did it. her name was i'm not saying your i am not saying your anger is I'm not still valid. upset it's i'm not fine. saying your anger is not valid what i'm saying is right like humans are complex and tend to have more than ah singular emotion right especially in a dynamic in which someone is really truly pretty heartbroken right this is an episode about heartbreak yes if someone is i thought like, we we're going to be together forever at 13 right or i thought this was something very real and that was going to sustain and then they lost it 
that anger more often than not, not always, some people can really hold that anger and they can keep that fire going and they can keep burning it and, and the other emotions, I don't know, are sort of like flooded out by that, but that's not what's typical. What's typical is that where that is where that dysregulation comes from. Someone's like so mad. And then to be that angry, you know, depending on the person, but the, to be super angry for extended periods of time is a lot of energy. You have to keep the fire burning really hot. Most people can't do that. What's going to happen is that anger. So you're saying I'm fade. special. That's what you're saying. You are. Your ability to hold a grudge is special and unique. You I are am, You heard her say I am special and unique. I'm just going to cut it to make sure it, it lands exactly <laughs> that way. <laughs> yeah. Did you? Um, but it, you know, like over time, what's going to happen is it's like, like when I say like there is no escape patch for hurt and loss, right? Like sometimes we just have to grieve things sometimes things just hurt because they mattered to you and no amount of like reorganizing the anger or doing this like sometimes we just have to and this is like sort of this like piece around like what to do like sometimes we just have to be hurt and allow ourselves to be hurt and stop seeking escape patches for it yeah. which nobody likes me when i say by the way that's a very unpopular piece of advice <laughs> yeah i listen but it's truth you know it's truth and sometimes the truth burns doc it burns and i gotta well, tell because... you that was a truth bomb for me just now because it's true you know sometimes there is no escape patch it's like oh that's right Oh, just have to you. And you know, it's like we talked about heartbreak is like kind of at times its own form of grief. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, just like grief in other areas, sometimes we just we literally have to have pain and hurt and sadness about something we lost. We have that to mattered. live through the loss. You just have to live through right. it. And I, that, you know, what? I think it's a good place to take a break. But I, I really like that because, you know, uh, when you experience loss, whether it's heartbreak loss or it's loss of, you know, uh, losing a family member or something like that, you know, it's a different type of loss and a different type of grief. But they kind of, you know, are similar. Like from what I gather you're saying here, and I'm, I'm agreeing with you, is that, you know, sometimes you just have to live in it and through it. You can't yeah, just. I. It's not going to like a lot of times people are like, I hurt, you know, like. I don't get me wrong. I think it's like a balance, right? Like, <laughs> like again, giving ourselves permission to like feel and learn how to sit with feelings of pain, sadness, hurt. We're really good at sitting with anger. Yeah. It's easier depending on the person, but it's honestly for many folks, it feels more accessible. Right. But like sitting with hurt, sadness, pain, how to allow ourselves to do that also without not tripping into like more depression, right. Where we're like, now we're like, there's a difference, right? There's a difference between like, I'm going to sit in my car and I'm going to cry for 15 minutes. And I'm now really struggling with more like clinical depths of depression where I'm like not able to get out of bed or I'm not able to go to work or I'm not, you know what I mean? And that's sustaining for days and days, weeks and weeks on end, right? Like those are different, right? Like, so obviously we want to help people not fall into like, like sort of extended periods of like sadness, pain, low mood that they cannot find themselves out of. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? That they yeah, cannot find does, yeah. a way back from separately, loss of a loved one, like grief, death of a loved one. Like those are also the normal responses when people have like depressive symptomology for like in the weeks and months following like the sure. death of an important loved one. I do want to say that out loud, right? But like ideally, right? Like there is this balance that we're always trying to help people find between like, to be like, feel your feelings, but don't get lost in them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's like 
really complex, tricky, and it's very individual, right? And it's often based on individual circumstance. And some people may need more help figuring out how to allow themselves to feel pain, sadness, hurt, grief. And some people need more help not getting stuck in it for an extended period of time. Does that make sense? Totally so makes sense. And it, I'm with you. Absolutely. And I think this is a good place to take a break. Go back to our sponsor, Choke Coffee, which we're going to go to right now. And then we'll be right back. Don't touch that dial, folks, because it's a word from our sponsor, and our sponsor is Choke Coffee. That's right, folks, our first sponsor, and this is our first in-between commercial break for ChokeCoffeeCode.com. Choke Coffee is submission fuel for the grappling enthusiast. It's all about jujitsu, baby, and I, Jeremiah James, your old pal, is a jujitsu champion in my own mind. That's right. In my own mind, and I love drinking a little White Belt Tears, a breakfast blend, super smooth with hints of vanilla, and it's the best seller at ChokeCoffeeCo.com. So, go to ChokeCoffeeCo.com. It is for the grappling enthusiasts. Hoo-ha-hee! ChokeCoffeeCo.com. And we are back. And I really have to say, again, you know, like, sitting back and listening to you talk about that, you know, it really is, you know, it's it's just so complex. There's so much complexity. And usually I'm frustrated by episodes like this because we all know I don't like a lot of complexity in life. <laughs> but I genuinely want to know more. So let's let's keep on going here. So what would be the next thing we should talk about? Well, you know, I think that, uh, this idea of like, <laughs> everyone, like, you know, you, by the way, grief is not my specialty. There are people that are like specialists in grief. So I should just sure, say that. Sure. Out. We like, were just using that of, obviously as a yeah, comparison like a, of like living yeah. in that moment and having yeah. to work through it, you know? Yeah. So I guess more of my point is like, some, there are going to be people that are like specialists in grief that would say much smarter things than I ever will about this. But like, you know, I think when we're going through periods of grief or things that feel akin to grief, like, there is a certain amount, and this is like healing from, from heartbreak, right? Like, I do think there's a certain amount of, of, of our, ourselves and it's hard to do. And so again, some people do it better than others, but a lot of us really struggle to kind of let ourselves be messy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and what yeah. I mean like messy, oh, yeah. I mean like emotional messy, right? Yes. Like we seek, we seek really high emotional control, right? Like I got it. It's fine. It's fine. You know? And like, we kind of keep, and again, like, don't get me wrong. It's socially appropriate. Like if you're to, to keep your shit together to a certain degree, right? Like you want to keep your job, you want to keep your friends, you want to, but I think that there is totally, um, okay. I, this is such a random reference, but it's the best one that I have. Cause it just, it really stands out with me. The, have you ever seen the show New Girl with Zoe Deschanel? Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember the pilot episode of that? Like, Absolutely where... not. Okay, it's not important, but it is for this. <laughs> like, so I, you don't need to have seen the show. But so Zoe Deschanel's character gets Jesse, I think, or Jess or whatever her name is, gets mm -hmm. broken up with. And she moves into this house with these three men. And they're like, she's like like going through a breakup and she's really sad and they're very uncomfortable with it. Right. So they right. keep trying to make her feel better. And she's like, you guys, she's like, you guys, I just need to like 
So sit on the couch for like three days, watch Dirty Dancing and cry, and then I'm going to be over it, right? Like essentially be just a hot mess. Right. And they keep inter- and they keep trying to interfere with this process. They're like, we have to make her happy. This is terrible. We can't have her crying on the couch. So they keep interfering. And then the problem is that she doesn't get over it, right? And so like near the end of the episode, I'm not ruining anything. This is a very old show, so you all should have seen <laughs> it by Spoilers, now. no spoilers like, here. Spoiler fine. alert here, but yeah. yeah. So like by the end of the episode, she just kind of has to like, she just sort of like is like, allows herself to do her process, which is to like lay on a bed eating ho-hos or whatever, crying through dirty dancing. And then, you know, she's sort of like done. And then she's like, she's not like over it, but she's like, and now I'm ready, right? Now I'm, I'm ready, ready to go like, back in the world. Now I'm ready right. to face life. And, and the reason that that episode, like it stands out to me and like it, I think it's a really good example of like, I think sometimes whether it's people around us or ourselves, we're like, I can't do that, right? It's not okay for me to just like be a mess. And I would argue like, yeah, no, you don't want to do a week's on end, but taking a personal day in your PJs and crying, if you got the time, taking a couple <laughs> of personal days and totally. crying in your bathtub, listening to songs that make you, you want to put the cure on? Mm-hmm. Put the cure on. Like, I think you, you need to allow like to a certain degree. And I think then it's when I say it's about that, like balance. And then it's about like, okay, I've, I've given myself some time. Like I'm going to keep being sad, but like, now let me try to work on distraction. Let me go out with my friends and try to do some stuff that brings me some joy or pleasure. And it's okay if I still get in my car and go, I just miss you so much. Right. Like that's okay. Like, but actually allowing ourselves that process of being just really freaking sad about something and being kind of messy and expressive. Yeah. It's a loss, you know, even with the amicable, uh, you know, breakup of my ex-wife and I, I was still really sad. I was sad for a lot of reasons. I was sad because, you know, you don't ever want to not, you don't ever want to get divorced. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like when you, excuse me for saying, um, you don't want to, you don't get married with the idea that you just get divorced. Like you, you, you want to, you get this idea in your head, you're going to be forever. Right. Or, you know, you also don't want to hurt people. And then there's a sensibility that, you know, uh, we let other people down, all those people that paid the money to come to our wedding and support us or family and all these other things. So you're sad. It's a loss and it's okay that it's a loss. You know what I mean? And it's okay to be sad and, and live through it and go through your process. Even with an amicable relationship ending, it's loss, right? So I'm with you there, Doc. Like yeah. living it, you know, obviously if you're living in it too long and for some reason you still can't get up and function, you should probably call someone like the doc and then maybe go talk about that and get some real help. If for, you know, like what well, I'm saying, like if this goes on and on and on, because some people, you know, they can yeah, really fall into a, a heavy rut of depression. Yeah. So and some you know. of us have different predispositions to that than others, right? Like right. there's a lot of folks that have genetic predispositions to like depression or like lower mood sort of periods where it can trip up into something that's longer lasting. But the thing that I would say too, around this idea of like, it's one thing to be like, you need to let yourself be messy. And people are like, sweet advice, but like how? Yeah, right. <laughs> I think the how of that is like, I think a lot of times we, you know, I've talked about this many, many times, the last episode included, like our mind is constantly trying to protect against pain, right? Mm-hmm. So your mind's not doing you any favors. It, if something feels like it's gonna hurt, it's going to try to pull you away from it. That's why avoidance is so common of a coping strategy, right? Right. right. Um, but, you know, 
that's a case in which maybe your mind's impulse to like try to avoid that isn't always being the most helpful. There are moments which it probably is helpful. Like if you're in the middle of your work day and your mind's like, maybe let's just wait till we get home to like, you know, totally <laughs> fall apart on this thing. And I don't mean in a problematic way, in a healthy way. Right. Like, um, you know, like, okay. But then also part of this requires that we convince ourselves that we can handle it. Like if we open sort of the floodgates on pain, that we can survive the waves that come. Does that make sense? Totally like, does. And that's, and that's often the really hard part for people is this sense of like, I can't handle it. I can't handle this sadness. So I have to get away from it. And this is me saying this and I, and I don't, yes, you can, you can handle it, but it takes practice. Right. So, you know, if for some people, like it depends on the end of the spectrum for some people, they're really good at stuffing away sadness, pain, right. This is probably more advice for those folks, right? Like, yeah, if you're really good at stuffing that it is going to, I'm not saying like take a whole day, but like literally being like, I feel sad and I'm stuffing it. What does it look like if I could just even, and this might sound so cheesy, but it can be useful. I'm going to, I'm feeling sad. I want to push it away. What happens if I set a timer on my phone for two minutes and just say for two minutes, I'm just going to feel this, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like for two minutes, I'm just going to let myself be sad or like the length of this song that's on in my car. I'm just going to really like allow this sadness to envelop me or pain, right? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. And it's not always that convenient, by the way, I realize that, but like, I think we often tell her, and sometimes even saying out loud, like, I can handle this. I can handle this feeling. Like, let's say it's like pain of any other kind of pain. If you're at a doctor's office, right? Well, Jeremiah, I know you've been going through some stuff with your hand, yes. right? Yes, I have. Yes, very painful stuff. Yes. Correct? Mm -hmm. So... I'm assuming you'd rather not have that pain. <laughs> I would much rather not have that pain. I would much absolutely 100% right. not have this pain. But are you are you tolerating it? Are you coping with it? Yes, I am coping with it. Right. Okay. And given your uh, mental acuity today, I don't think with the opiates that you were originally with the one episode. Woo! <laughs> Woo! Um, <laughs> so... Right. Like, so you're coping with it. And mm -hmm. part of how you're coping with it is you're telling yourself, I have to. Yeah. I don't have a choice. Yeah. But would that be so acceptance? To yeah, a certain it, degree? Really a big, big aspect of acceptance. Look, a lot of things can always be worse. And I'm very fortunate that I'm getting good care and uh, it sucks for now. It doesn't mean it doesn't suck. It doesn't mean I'm not frustrated at times, like not being able to do the things that I normally would do and, you know, help my wife in the way that I would want to and all that kind of stuff sucks. But I'm coping with it, you know, so, and I'm living in it. Right. So part of what you did there psychologically to cope with this pain is that at some point in time, you have told yourself, I have no other choice. If I want my hand to function the way that I want it to function, if I want my functionality, I have to cope with this. That's right. And in telling yourself that it's not really a choice and accepting it, part of what you're doing is mentally prepping yourself then to like have increased tolerance to it. Right. Yep. yep. Now, interestingly, emotional pain is the exact same, but we treat it very differently. Right. Like we often don't accept, we like, we feel there's an illusion that we have a choice often around emotional pain. We're like, I'm just going to, I don't need to feel this. I don't need to feel I like that. I'm going to just forget it. Forget I'm going to forget it. I'm going to put it somewhere else. I'm going to, I don't know. I'm going to some, sometimes I'm going to hide it with a substance or, or a distraction or whatever it might be. But, but the reality is that like, we can cope with pain 
right? And now I'm not saying that there aren't, again, I'm not talking about things on the extreme end of the spectrum, right? And I'm, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. that's yep, a different course, conversation for a different yep, day. Mm -hmm. But like, oftentimes we give ourselves like sort of this personal statement that like, I can't handle this. Like, I can't handle this pain. I can't handle this feeling. So I have to get away or I have to keep away from it. I have to mask it with anger, right? That feels more comfortable for me. Bad, but like, let's be real. Anger feels good, bad. Yeah, it does. That's the best part of it. That's why, yeah, like, like I said, in, it's a, in McDonald's feels good, bad. Yeah, you know like, you're not doing the right thing, but there's a pleasurable aspect to it. Yeah, you know, there's a pleasure. And I'm not saying anger doesn't have its place or it's a bad emotion, but just it's one of many emotions. But, like, sometimes with pain, And we... by the way, uh, McDonald's, <clears throat> if you would like to uh, be a sponsor of the University oh, of Pleasure, give us a call. Okay. Not a problem at all. I'm a big fan. I'm just using you as an example. I just want to make that clear. Uh, but if you'd like to give us a call, on. you can just email <laughs> us. Okay, continue. Um, but I think we tell ourselves with emotional pain that like there's often, like, an illusion of choice. Like, I can mm -hmm. choose to not feel this. And in certain ways, maybe you can choose not to feel it in that moment, but that pain is still existent, right? Like, it's still there and so a lot of times one of the things that is really helpful even and this is a practice and i want to like capital p practice is like people literally starting to work on telling themselves like i can handle the sensation i can handle this feeling right i can handle the feeling of sadness and then allowing themselves to actually practice handling it yeah for periods of time which sounds again kind of cheesy and even like oh what would that do a lot the answer is the answer a, is a lot a lot actually right the more people say i know what pain feels like i know i can get through it i know i push through it separately just psychologically those people tend to be much more resilient because they don't they don't fear certain things as much they take more healthy risks because they go well, I can handle heartbreak or I can handle the sensation of failure or disappointment. I can handle these feelings. And when I know I can handle them, well, the world really opens up to me in a much broader way, right? Because I'm not constantly protecting against pain. Right. And when I say that's a practice, I mean, that's like a life practice. <laughs> you got to really focus on it. I mean, it's not something yeah. you can just, you know, I mean, look, Nobody wants to feel heartache. Nobody wants to be in a place of sadness and pain, right? But with pain, you also learn to appreciate other things, wouldn't you say, Doc? Like, you, you know, if you can learn to cope with the pain and the other thing and the sadness, you also have a better understanding of the great stuff that happens in life. I mean, Isn't like, there... everything is relative, right? Like, we don't know what pleasure, like, pleasure or joy, like, those things are juxtaposed. Like, if sadness or pain didn't exist, we wouldn't know what happiness or pleasure is, right? Absolutely. Like, they're only juxtaposed and relative to each other that we even get to feel something <laughs> different, right? Yep, um, 100%. But anyway, I think that is so, like, sometimes it's about people finding ways to, like, give themselves access to difficult emotions that they know that they might be avoiding or, like, they might have a hard time feeling. Um, sometimes, again, it's about containment. Sometimes when people are brokenhearted, they're like, oh, my gosh, like, I am, like, feeling, like, so upset, so sad. And this might sound really odd, right? But, like, if you're really getting stuck in it, again, a practice, I'm not saying it's always this easy, but seeing what it feels like to be like, okay, I've been on the couch for an hour crying and upset, and I'm going to see what it feels like to like give myself 10 more minutes to feel this feeling, and then I'm going to go do something else. It could be, it doesn't have to be healthy. People are always like trying to do the healthiest thing. It could be like, <laughs> you know, I mean, it could be like, I don't know, a mindfulness meditation in Pilates. I mean, if you want it, great, like do it. If you have access, it could just be like 
I'm going to go clean my bathroom because it's, I, I find it soothing. I yeah. don't, but some people find cleaning very soothing, right? Or I'm going to go uh, watch a show that I know really makes me laugh. Or I'm going to go hang out with friends. And where you're trying to sort of say like, I'm going to give myself permission to like keep feeling this for a little longer. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see what it feels like to try to put it away for a yeah. little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like sometimes even visualization exercises can be helpful around that. Like, hey, put it in this box in my like visualize putting it in a box in your closet i know where it is and i can take that sadness box back out when i need to like again practices but there are different and again if you're really struggling with this stuff like that's where maybe uh, someone that's more uh, professional clinician or counselor might be of use or support but absolutely this is a practice because emotions cannot be wrangled into submission just because we want them to be right true like, so <laughs> To a certain degree, we're always like trying to herd wild animals Yes, with our emotions, right? And all you can do is try to find better and better techniques. So. Well, so as we conclude this second half of this amazing two-part episode, what, what tricks of the trade can yeah, you impart so, to people who are going through the heartache, headache here? Yeah, well, all that stuff I just said. Um, I would say... Another thing is this like being thoughtful about processing. Like a lot of times when people talk with support systems when they're kind of like heartbroken, be mindful of processing versus obsessing with your support system, right? Yep. So like sometimes it isn't actually helpful to spend an hour talking about your ex and everything that's going on. Sometimes it might be helpful to talk about that for 15, 10, 15 minutes mm -hmm. and then ask them how they're doing. <laughs> yeah and not because you're being selfish i want to be very clear it's not about selfishness it's about literally there can be a fine line like sometimes people will be like i'm venting but venting sometimes actually if it goes on for long enough is just obsessing and now we're just yep. spending more time working ourselves up doing about a particular issue com compersioning com com perseveration perseveration Compersion is oh. another word we've used. Compersion oh, is pleasure. I got confused. Pleasure. That's okay. Pleasure from the pleasure of another is compersion. Perseveration. Conversion. Yes. Okay. That's and then perseveration is spinning. Yeah, like spinning on something. I'm so glad but, I don't have to take tests anymore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Does, that Does that make sense? Hundred percent makes sense. If you start talking about something for too long, you go down the rabbit hole, right? Yeah. And then it becomes also, obsessing. It's and not... you also then start to wind up other people with you because yeah. we're animals. We yeah. take each other's cues, right? So if you're like getting all wound up and the other person with you might, unless they're a very grounded person, start getting wound up with you. And then you might walk away being like, God, I'm so much more upset than I was when yeah. I sat down. Yeah, for sure. And so sometimes we have to ask our support people, hey, I really feel a lot of compulsion, which is normal, by the way, a lot of compulsion to like really like obsess about this. Give me 10 and then cut me off, right? Like do that with someone you trust that's going to be kind, yeah, by the way. For sure. Yeah, yeah. You don't want that. You know, listen, uh, sometimes people are just trying to be helpful and then they they give you that tough love and that's not, you know, give somebody that you trust in that way probably be good. Right. Um, so another sort of tip I would have people or give for people is during heartbreak, try to find stuff to do that gives you a sense of focus or even helpful distraction, right? Like ideally you wouldn't want your distractions to make you feel worse, but like try not to put pressure on yourself to kind of quote unquote prove anything right now. Mm -hmm. A lot of times during breakups, people are like, 
that's when people are like, I'm going to lose a ton of weight and I'm going to be hot as shit. Or like, I'm going to like, I'm going to write that screenplay that I said I was always going to write. And maybe you will like, don't get me wrong. People can accomplish stuff uh, at any point in time. And sometimes that's, sometimes people have that kind of inertia and it helps. But sometimes if we put too much pressure on ourselves to be like, well, I'm going to focus on me right now. Maybe sometimes all of that focus just needs to be to healing, right? And yes. if you're saying, I'm going to try to heal and, I don't know, get a promotion at work or get in super great shape or run a marathon, if it helps you and you find it helpful, great. If it just feels like more pressure that's making you feel worse about yourself, try a different strategy. Yeah, like, good call. <laughs> good call. Because, yeah, I mean, you know, it's like it's, it's such a normal tendency. Like, I'm going to get in great shape or I'm going to go do something awesome and they'll see and da 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 Like, that's putting a lot of pressure on yourself to, like, you know, if you don't lose the weight, then you're a failure and you could go down the rabbit hole of, like, I failed at that too, just like I failed at the relationship. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, right. that's and not so healthy. Is, that's not a good thing. So this is a know thyself and try to pay attention. Again, all the shit's easier said than done, right? Because I'm speaking from, like, I mean, you know, like if you talked to me while I was actively at heartbreak, I'd be like, everything she's saying is terrible advice. You know? <laughs> so, so I, you know, everybody is a little different. It's just like a do your best. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I would just have is a note on the timing of new relationships, because people have lots of opinions, right? Re people talk about rebounds and, you know, if you're heartbroken, should you or should you not get in the right? I have feeling, I think I have feelings about this. I think that readiness is always a tricky variable, right? Like, I don't think personally, and some people would absolutely take issue with the statement. So I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying it's my opinion. I don't, I don't really personally see there being this like, you should wait exactly six months before dating somebody new, right? Or like, you shouldn't have re. I like, part of this is like talking to yourself and maybe your support system about what you actually feel ready for. Like, so sure. essentially, would it feel harmful? Right. You know, some people, some people have like some heartbreak, but it's not actually about the loss of the other person. It's about the loss of like an idea, right? Like you have people that are in separate. I should say, I should have said this before, by the way, heartbreak coming out of a 20 year relationship is going to look very different than like a two month relationship. Course, right. So like these strategies what I'm talking about are going to be really dependent on like the depth. Yeah. Like, what's the depth of your loss? Of course, here? of course. And I liked what you just said there is like, you know, the idea, like I had a woman I was obsessed with when I was 21 and we were together, but it was, she actually was, I, I've talked about her before on the podcast. You know, I, it wasn't, she wasn't really a nice person. Like she was, you know, really horrible to me and a lot of these other things, but it was the idea of what I made her in my mind to be. And it was, the heartbreak came more from the loss of the idea than yeah. the actual person that I was with. Does that make sense? Because the person I was no, with wasn't nice. So I, I like that you said that. that. That was interesting. Yeah, well, and also like, so that also is going to make that grief process maybe look a little different in terms of like what room or space emotionally do we have for like a new partner in our lives, right? Like, I think a good rule of thumb though is if you're sitting on a date and everything this person is doing, you're comparing to your ex, maybe not ready. <laughs> Yep. Like that's a good rule of thumb. Like if you're, if you're engaging in a lot of comparison to the point that you really cannot give this person in front of you a fair chance, that suggests to be reflective on sort of your readiness for that. Yeah. I think that it can be very complicated with, with readiness to like date again, or like to attach to somebody new. If you notice that like, Hey, like 
I don't know, like I've had plenty of folks I've worked with that are like really heartbroken about the loss of like a long-term marriage, but they weren't romantically attached for that person to maybe for like 10 years or something prior mm -hmm, to that divorce, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm, so yeah. their readiness is going to be very different than somebody that was like all in on somebody and then lost it. Yep. Does that make sense? Yep, totally. So is. I, I think that that is sort of a, a a tricky variable that you in general like i would say like try to practice some self-honesty around okay. as best as you can okay. and you pay attention to comparison right like i think that's always a good one that's like kind of a marker like if you're doing a lot of like comparison or if you notice that like you are on a date with someone new um or trying to talk to someone new and you just straight up can't focus like at all like you're really distracted and or you're getting in your car and you're bursting into tears because you really don't want to be doing this. That's a good sign. Yeah. That you listen are not ready. To, yeah, listen to yourself. Listen to the yeah. signs that you are getting from you. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like you are, thank you. You are getting, like you're giving out your own data. All yeah. you have to do is to try to read it and pay attention to it, which sometimes is easier said than done when you're distracted with heartbreak. But we often try to force ourselves into like feeling better and sometimes through things that we really aren't ready for. And like people will talk about, like I went on a date with somebody new because like we have this sort of like, I'm going to show you mentality, right? right at right. times. And we don't really often show the other person anything, but we do show ourselves that we do not feel good. Yes, <laughs> yes. Not, we, we are not happy enough. there. I, I think I told the story good before. Place. I went to, you know, I had a really that horrible breakup with that person that I was just telling about. And I went to go see a friend. And we finally were, you know, after being friends for a few years, we we're going to have sex. And she had just broken up with the love of her life. And I had broken up with the love of my life. And we were going to get together. And you know, it was going to be sexy and fuck them both kind of a scenario and we're just going to show each other and she had like beautiful lingerie all this great stuff we got there we started having sex and both started crying <laughs> that's a good example of what i'm talking about you know about. what i mean and it still makes us both laugh to this day because you know you look back all those years ago and you're like oh my god that was so sad but it was because we were not ready to be that that it, it, we neither of us she wasn't ready i wasn't ready but we we're trying to i'll show him and what better way than with my best friend that we're gonna you know that we had this thing all those years ago and we're gonna come back and have this great sexual encounter and both of us were like i miss my person i miss that person too and ah and it was hilariously sad but that was a really good indicator for both of us to go you know Maybe I won't try that for a while again because uh, that just it made me feel worse. Like you know, it made me feel mm -hmm. more heartbroken. You know, so uh, yeah, Doc. These are all really great tips. Right. These are all really great things here. I, 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 I'm actually I, really happy we did this episode. Yeah, and I promise I only have like a couple more, and then then I'm done. Um, but <laughs> this is like a just a, there's a lot that happens for people. Um, one of the th the other sort of things that um. I would encourage people to do is to like, so time does really heal a lot of wounds, right? Yeah. It really does. And it's so annoying but when people say it, but it's true. It's true. I, you know, I always tell supports like be thoughtful about platitudes, right? But things do take time. There is a lot of truth to it. Um, and, and as a result, like, I think that sometimes even reminding ourselves of the temporary nature of things can be a really helpful intervention, right? Like, mm -hmm. so sometimes I'll have people like ask themselves a set of questions, right? Like, 
do I still think I'm going to feel this way a year from now? Do I still think I'm going to feel this way five years from now? Do I still think I'm going to feel this way 10 years from now? And where you're actually trying to picture that, right? Like you're actually trying to answer that question, right? Like, and even like trying to imagine, okay, do I see myself sitting in my living room in the dark feeling the same way right? Right. <laughs> in next year? And the answer might be like, I don't know. Okay. What about five years from now? Probably not. Right. And like, so sometimes just even engaging in that activity of trying to imagine the future, mm-hmm. those prompting questions can actually be really helpful and like sort of sort of like, is it going to make you feel totally better? Of course not. It still hurts right now, but it might help be like, this is temporary. Like I am not probably going to feel this way forever. And that can help reduce some of that anxiety that people have that like, oh my God, I'm going to feel heartbroken and I'm going to feel stuck. I feel stuck right. and I'm going to stay stuck in this. Right. Um, I will say too, time again, time is helpful, but I'd encourage people to remember that the more you poke the wound, the longer it might take. So when I say poke the wound, if you really know you got an unrequited love situation and you, you keep, you keep going back Mm -hmm. to check in Mm -hmm. and to check again, have they changed their mind? (laughs) Let me go on Facebook or Instagram or watch all their TikToks and really like keep engaging with that wound, that hurt over and over, like put your, set yourself up for like consistent rejection over and over and over when someone's set a pretty clear boundary that they're not interested. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's you've been together or you haven't, it's going to take longer. It is going to take longer, right? So like sometimes setting up some, if you really have a hard time controlling those behaviors, set up some accountability buddies, right? Some friends and supports that are like non-judgmental, helpful and helping you keep some of those boundaries around like poking at that particular wound it's good to have a friend that says you need to delete that number yeah you need to take that out yeah it's time right and a friend that will sit with you and not judge you that you want to do it but that will sit with you or a family member or support person that'll sit with you maybe it's a therapist that'll be like let's take that number out or let's let's block that on your social media and I'm going to sit with you while you do that. And I'm not going to judge you for it. And I'm not going to give you shit about it. I'm just going to be here for you. Yep. Moral right? support. Mm-hmm. Right. And if you, if it finds a way back on your phone, I'm going to be cool and say, Hey, well, let's just try to get that back off again. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> no no Absolutely. Judgment free zone. Judgment free zone because it's hard. It's and hard, it, man. It's hard. Yeah. Um. So the only other thing, and this, I know that I'm like doubling down on it or like quadrupling down, but I will still encourage being mindful of like how much you swing into the bitterness uh, space, Sure. Yep. right? This mm-hmm. kind of like pathologizing mm-hmm. all the things that might be wrong with your former focus of love or affection. Um, it can be acutely satisfying to be like, let me think about this person that I was in love with and let me find all the ways that they're awful or seek support of that for my support system. But Resentment is a powerful poison to drink, right? It's going to destroy you much more quickly than it'll destroy the other person. Mm-hmm. In fact, it might not impact the other person at all, but it will impact you deeply, right? I am not saying that like it is normal to feel resentment when we've been hurt by somebody. It's more about like how do you feed it, right? Mm-hmm. Do you keep feeding that resentment and putting energies into ways that feed that resentment? Or are you working in the other direction of like trying to like work on letting go and and moving forward and building your life around maybe your loss or your hurt rather than like fixating on what the other person is or what they're doing because that's 
that's valuable energy that you could be spending living a life that you enjoy much more than that. So that is what I would say. And again, I'm not saying any of this shit's easy. <laughs> Listen, nobody, I mean, come on. I mean, we're doing a university of pleasure. It's about education. Sometimes it's yeah. hard, right? That's why I yeah. don't like taking tests. That's why I'm so glad I'm no longer in school. So the point is we're here to teach and educate. It's not going to be easy. It's but, not easy, but it's, I always would argue it's going to be work either way. You might as well, and it's going to be effort either way. You might as well put it in another direction that helps shift your energy in a way that helps you, helps you heal versus like holds you hostage in pain, sadness, resentment, hurt, whatever it might be. Well, I appreciate you, Doc. I appreciate all that you said. I learned a lot on these two part episodes. Uh, hi to your dog who's barking right Sorry. now. We're leaving that in. I mean, she was quiet the whole time. It's okay. She heard something. She snuck in. She snuck in. I didn't oh, even, she's even tricky. She's, listen, come on, it's, please. It's How many times elevator. do we have to stop because, you know, my Rottweiler just kicks open the door to the studio or something like that. So it ain't nothing but a G thing, baby. And I appreciate you and all that you do for so many people. And thank you for all that you do across the board. Don't forget to check all of our social medias. Like, share, and subscribe. And remember, just try to be kind to one another. It's hard out there. And we'll talk to you again next week. Bye, Doc. Bye. This episode of the University of Pleasure was produced, directed, and edited by me, Jeremiah James. It was written by Dr. Tara Jansen and me, Jeremiah James. The University of Pleasure theme music was written by the incomparable Robert Feldstein. Additional multimedia support by associate producer Kyle Binkley. And please remember, we want to be as inclusive as possible of the diverse experiences of others here at the University of Pleasure. So please email us your suggestions for topics that might be suited to you directly, questions, feedback, or just really great sex stories at contact at universityofpleasure.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please remember to like, share, and subscribe to all of our social media.